0: Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. I probably preach the least out of Ecclesiastes, really, as as any book of the Bible. I was trying to think last night, uh, maybe just one other message I can ever even recall preaching out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I never have enjoyed studying that book, uh, not particularly, uh, it's not been like a book that I got drawn into and just loved and enjoyed. Uh, and I don't know why I'm preaching out of it tonight. I've not, I've not been studying on it. I've not been reading any books on it. Uh, but last night, uh, I, was just, I just sat down and was praying about the direction the Lord had had for us to go. He led my mind to these verses. I started reading some of this and uh, put the outline together with the help of the Lord. And when I got done, I said, I have no idea why I'm preaching this tomorrow night. And I still don't. I thought maybe by now I'd have some insight as to why I'm dealing with this. Uh, but I still have, I have zero insight. But I can guarantee you this, tonight's message is of the Lord. Because what I'm about to preach on is the last thing I'd have picked on to preach on. And uh, it's, it's just not, it's, it's just not uh, my, really my style uh, but uh, the Lord wanted it preached. And so I'll just share with you what the Word of God has to say. Uh, we we'll begin re- reading verse number 1. And the Bible said, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of myrrh. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This is also vanity." Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there's profit to them that see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Verse thirteen's the... Our text verse, we're going to deal with all these. Verse 13 is my text verse. Consider the work of God. For who can make the straight which he hath made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. God also hath set the one over against the other. To the end that man should find nothing after him. Let's pray together. Father... We ask, Lord, tonight for your help. I know you're going to help me. Uh, Lord, I just pray that the Spirit of God would touch hearts in this place tonight. Lord, you know what you're doing. I don't question it one bit. Uh, It's my privilege, Lord, tonight to get to share what you've laid on my heart. And I pray, God, that you do a work in this place. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, Solomon wrote three books. He wrote the book of uh, Song of Solomon... Uh, when he was a young man. And you can see it reflected as he grows old in his writings. As a young man, he wrote about the uh, love, uh, love the love affair that he, uh, the shepherd had with the Shunammite, and all of that happens there in the book of Song of Solomon. It's a young man's writings. And then he wrote the book of Proverbs in his middle age. And of course, we know all of the wisdom that he poured out there in the book of proverbs and he imparts life's wisdom but here in the book of Ecclesiastes he's an old man and he's looking back on the harsh realities of life. A lot of people believe that if you see Solomon in these days that he wrote Ecclesiastes that he was somewhat cynical. He had become jaded by life and as a matter of fact uh, the fact is that There's not a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes that's very encouraging at first glance. Let me give you a few things you'll find in the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll find that the smarter you get, the harder it is to cope with this world. It tells us that in Ecclesiastes chapter number 1 verse 18. Look what it said. It says there, uh, For in much wisdom is much grief, and that he that uh, increaseth knowledge... Increases sorrow. How many of you would agree with me that it seems like the more you know about what things are happening in this world, the more disgusted you are with what things are happening in this world? And so that's what uh, that's what Solomon said. He said, "Listen, the more I know, the less I like what I see." We find in the Book of Ecclesiastes that pleasure and riches do not satisfy. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verses 10 through 11, we find in Ecclesiastes 2.16 that wise men and fools die alike. In other words, every man dies, whether he's wise or whether he's foolish. Uh, we find in the book of Ecclesiastes that pleasure, uh, or uh, excuse me, that you can't take the results of your hard work with you when you die. And as a matter of fact, Solomon says that the next generation is going to get what they didn't earn. Uh, They're going to get your money, uh, and they're going to spend it foolish. Now, isn't that encouraging? Boy, we find that here in the book of Ecclesiastes that people practice evil instead of justice. We find in the book of Ecclesiastes that the wicked sometimes get away with their evil deeds. They're not punished. Uh, Solomon looked and he said, it looks like they're just getting away with their wickedness. All of that is there in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so it's not so much a spiritual thing as it is an old man looking back over life, seeing and just expressing things that he's seen. But let's be honest tonight. there are things we've all seen. Because this life is that way. But in the middle of that, Solomon says, consider the work of God. So I'm to preach on that a little bit tonight. If the Lord will be our helper, and I'm, I'm not going to preach very long, but I want to preach just a little bit on some things worth considering. There's some things in this wicked world. How many of you would agree with me tonight every time you turn the news on, bad news? Uh, good news never makes the news, right? And, uh, people, uh, politicians make a living out of arguing and out of disagreeing and out of being upset and out of, out of, uh, being discontented with things and out of griping. That's how they make their living. You think about it with me. How many of you believe you could see a man running for Congress and him get up and say, hello, my name's uh, Bradley Boone. I'm running for Congress. And I'd like to say that I agree with everything that's happening in Washington. I think everybody up there is doing a great job. And if you'll elect me, I'm just going to go up there and do the same thing that they've been doing. Well, he wouldn't get elected, would he? Why? Because people, they they thrive on being discontented, uh, on complaining, uh, and on being aggravated. They thrive on those sorts of things. And when you look at life, it's pretty easy to do, isn't it? I stopped to get gas this afternoon and walked in the gas station after I'd pumped my gas. And the lady said, how you doing today? I said, I can't complain one bit. She said, well, you're the first one today. <laughs> she said, everybody that's coming here today's complain, complaining. You, you're going to be the first one. And you know, it's uh, I don't preach on complaining. I got another message I've studied on that. I, uh, and my brain keeps going over there where I want to go. But we learned there's some things worth considering. Number one. It's worth considering that life is a mystery. Life is a mystery. There's a lot about life that you and I don't understand. Now Solomon names some things down through here that to you and me seem backwards. It don't seem like it's right. It seems like what he's saying is wrong. But I want us to think and consider about how that life is a mystery. First look at the difference between death and ver- and birth. Look what he said there in verse 1. He said a good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than the day of one's birth. But now that's not how we look at it, right? When a baby's born, what do we do? We all celebrate. But when a man dies, what do we do? We all mourn. Solomon said that's not the way to do it. He said you've got it backwards. He said, it's better, a man's day of his death is better than the day of his birth. Well, that don't make no sense. But that's what he said. Must because it's a mystery. Now, let me reveal to you the mystery about it. Here in this verse, he said, a good name, a man that has a good name. So that's a man that lives under the graces of God. A man that lives under the graces of God, the only way he'll ever get out of this old sin troubled worry world is to die. Die is the dying is the passageway from this troubled world to a better world. And so Solomon said it's better and even a wicked man, it would have been better if he had died before he ever came to the realization and knowledge of accountability, rather than to have lived in this world, it's a shame he was ever born. And that's the point that Solomon is trying to make. But here's the thing. Life is a mystery, but we've got it backwards. We think of death as a mystery. We think, well, when we die, who knows what happens? But in all reality, death is a very certain thing. When you die, one of two things is going to happen. If you're saved, you're going to go and be in the presence of the Lord. And if you're lost, you're going to hell. That's, it's just two things. Death is one of the most certain things you could ever think about. Because you know for sure what's going to happen. Now think about life. Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow in life? you know what's going to happen this afternoon? you know what's going to happen tonight? All a mystery, isn't it? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen tonight. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. We sure don't know what's going to happen next week. The weather, man, can't even tell you whether it's going to rain tonight and you have any confidence in it. And so life is the mystery. But somehow we think death is worse than life because life is certain and death is a mystery. But Solomon is saying here, that's not how it is. Death is, has certainty with it. Life is what has no certainty. Think about this. He not only talked about death versus birth, but he talked about humility versus pride. He said sorrow is better than laughter in verse 3. And you said, now wait a minute, preacher. Then he goes on to say to be rebuked, that is to get jumped on, is the better than to be praised. Now the reason he makes those statements is because the whole book of Ecclesiastes deals with pride. It deals with vanity. It deals with a man being puffed up and the problems that come with pride. And so Solomon said it would be better if a man didn't ever get bragged on. It would be be better if a man didn't ever laugh. If that laughter and that bragging was going to make him prideful. Pride's killing us. Pride has wrecked the United States of America. Pride, pride, pride. I'm convinced, and I've mentioned it before, and I still believe it. I am convinced that the reason that Donald Trump's not president right now is because of pride—too much pride, too much pride. You say, "I don't don't talk about my man, don't talk about my man." I'm just preaching the truth. It's too much pride. He was struck on himself and struck on everything he does, and he still is. And pride precedeth the fall. It's just that. It's that, oh, I love the policies he had, and I love some of the things he did. But his pride was, but he's not the only one. Politician after politician on Capitol Hill, full of pride. Oh, but they ain't the only ones. Church pew after church pew, full of people with pride. But oh, they ain't the only ones. Pulpit after pulpit, filled with people that's prideful. And pride is killing us. And Solomon said, it'd be better if we never laughed. It'd be better if nobody ever bragged on us if it's just going to pump us up with pride. And so he talks about the mystery of life. Now look at the natural reaction of man. I told you a strange message. I'm just delivering what God sent. Here, look at verse 7. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. You know what? You can take somebody with... Very few brain cells, and the government and everybody else can do whatever they want to, and it never it never bothers them much. But you take you take somebody that knows what's going on, and when you get oppressed, or when you see oppression, what does it do? It angers you. When you see what's really happening, it makes you mad. And boy, today I was listening to a lady being interviewed, and she's a a scientist, she's an atheist, she's an evolutionist, and here's what she said. She's talking about the transgender movement, and she said, for 70 years, the ideal has been, Brother Billy. That what there was one or two ways that man came to be either God created him, uh, that's called creationism, or he evolved, uh, that's called evolution. Uh, and here's what she said: She said I'm an evolutionist, uh, but she said this whole thing of transgenderism. Uh, she said there's no way you can fit it into the ev- into evolution. She said if if uh, they were if they evolved that way, the natural selection would have weeded them out by now. Uh, there's no way it works, uh, and she said so. If you are but if you're a creationist there's no way that works either because that means that people were born and gotten messed up with the way that he made them and so she said I don't know what kind of science they're using but it baffles the mind when you hear things like that and then some knucklehead gets on TV and says well it's just our truth and you'll just have to live with it don't that make you mad? Why? Because you've got enough sense to look at that and go, no, that ain't how it is. Boys are born little boys and girls are born little girls. Amen. Huh? Amen. And I can prove it in every scientific way possible. She got talking on that... On that podcast, she said you can prove it through MRIs before a baby is even born what sex they are. She said, I'll go beyond that. She said, you can prove it through drawing their blood and looking at their chromosomes what sex they're going to be. Before they even have any sex organs. She said, I can prove it scientifically along every step of the way. And she said, it's true throughout the entire animal kingdom. And then you have this crowd that says they're scientists, that same bunch that told us that we had to trust the science wants us to believe there's 15 different genders and if you don't know what you are, you're just non-binary. You're nothing. God help us. And so here's what Solomon said. He said when a wise man sees that stuff, he gets angry. Makes him angry. You ever heard the saying, ignorance is bliss? Boy, that's true sometimes. Solomon said the natural reaction is when a man sees that, he begins to get angry. And look what he does. This is the meat of the message. He begins to long for the good old days. Boy, Solomon makes an interesting statement right here. Look what he says. Uh, Verse number 10. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Let me tell you something that's true about everybody in here. The days of your childhood to you were the good old days. Uh, For me, the good old days was the 80s. Oh yeah, 80s. I mean big hair and windbreakers and, and... they made them Monte Carlo super sports and they made uh, that's the 80's baby Max Edrum and you know the Rubik's we go on and on and on the 80's for some of you you'd say no preacher the 70's that's when that's the good old days back in the 70's Jen said preacher it's them 60's (laughs) that's what I loved but did you know Solomon said, don't do that. He said, uh, don't look. And you know why? Because I know this world is terrible right now. But every generation has had its problems. I got to think about last night. Let me give you just a few of these. You could say, well, I wish that I lived back in the colonial days. Oh, you mean when America was under the oppression of England? and you were forced to worship in the Church of England or be exiled, that's, that's when you wished you lived? You say, well, I wished I lived in the 1800s. Oh, you mean when states were fighting states and Americans were killing other Americans, that's when you wish you lived? You say, well, I wished I lived in the 1920s. Oh, you mean when organized crime was rampant and a lot of the America's cities looked like war zones. Oh, I wished I lived in the 1930s. Oh, you mean you wish you lived during the Great Depression and got to stand in soup lines? You say, well, I wished I lived in the 1940s. Oh, you mean you wish when Hitler was trying, you lived when Hitler was trying to take over the world and kill all the Jews. Oh, well, I wish I lived in the 1950s. Oh, you mean when all them nuclear bombs were starting to be developed that were going to destroy the entire planet and when the Vietnam War started. How about the 1960s? Vietnam's in full swing. Free love and all of the hippie mess is going on. And I could go on and on and on. Every generation, something's wrong with this world. You know why? Because it's full of sin. So you say, right now, things are bad, and they are. Solomon says, don't talk about the good old days. There ain't no such thing. Since the day that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it ain't been nothing but bad old days. Bad old days. So he said, don't talk about times past and say, Why was it better then? No. He said, listen, uh, every generation has its problems. Life is a mystery. uh, And uh, all of these things are happening around us. But he said, don't forget, life has a master. (laughs) Oh my. Look what he said there in verse number 13. Consider the work of God. Consider the work of God. When you look back and Uh, when everything seems topsy-turvy and upside down and nothing makes any sense and everything's a mystery, he said, don't forget, there's one in charge. Don't forget, there's one that makes things crooked and no man can straighten them. Don't forget, the master is still in charge. Today, in that class, we had uh, gang affiliation awareness was one of our blocks I made a picture I I want to quote it off the picture I made I should have I should have sent it to Rachel and let her put it up Uh, but let me quote off the picture I made right here I made a picture of this slide because I couldn't believe it the state of North Carolina had put in a slide it says this are the risk factors for youth gang involvement so this is what you look for Risk factors for youth gang involvement. What's the first one that's a risk factor there? Low religious service (laughs) attendance. I couldn't believe it. Low religious service attendance. That was the state of North Carolina's number one symptom or risk factor for a young person getting involved in a gang. Number one, they say low religious service attendance. You know why? Because when our youth believe there's no God, then they can do anything they want to and they're accountable to nobody. That's right. And so we have to remember that regardless of what is happening in society, there is a master and he is in control. Let me ask you a question. Who can undo what God's done? They can try and legislate God out of society. They can try to educate God out of our children. They can try to marginalize God with false religion. But guess what? In the end, God is still right there. Like the song the youth choir sings, they can't change the changeless one. They've never been able to do away with it. I told you I was listening to that podcast today. That lady was talking about all them evolutionary trends. Here's what she said. She said, when a baby, she called it a fetus, when a fetus is in its mother's womb, and she said, now this woman, she's liberal by every matrix, except she says this transgender stuff is crazy. There's no, there's no way it can be science. She says, when that baby's, or that fetus is in the womb, and that chromosome determines that it's a male and that testosterone starts flowing in that body to make that fetus a male baby she said uh, somehow it affects the brain and she said it masculizes the brain she said the brains of men and brains of women are different and it starts in the womb well the host he said, well, how does, how does that happen? She said, you know, we're not real sure. She said, we're not sure how that testosterone, which, which should be an inanimate object, knows in little baby boys to go and form their brain in a certain way, but it doesn't do it in girls. 100% in boys, but 0% in girls. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I can tell her how that happens. There's a God in heaven that designed it that way. Uh, While she was starting to explain that, I thought, you know, it ought to dawn on her what she's saying. Because she's like, you know, somehow it knows. We don't know exactly how it's possible, but somehow it knows. I thought, honey, open your eyes. Uh, It's a God. It's a design. Uh, He's in control. And there ain't nothing this old God-cussing world can do about it. They can hate him. They can make fun of him. It still don't change the fact that he's God. Amen. Amen. And so you should remember that life is a mystery. You should consider that life has a master. But then I'm going to give you this right here, and I'm going to be done with a strange message. You should consider that life has a mixture. Look at was it verse fourteen? Give me that next verse. Verse fourteen. In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. Consider what? Here's what you consider. God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. You know what he just said? He said, same God that makes the good days makes the bad days. Amen. He said, when everything's going good, Rejoice. But when things go bad, remember, life has a mixture. Now, people will get cancer that are good Bible-believing, church-going people. Folks say, I can't believe that happened to them. But did you know lost people get cancer too? You know why? Because life's a mixture for everybody. The question comes a lot of times like this they say, why does good things happen or bad things happen to good people? Why does bad things happen to good people? Well, the answer to that is in the question itself. The Bible said there is none good, no, not one. So there are no such thing as good people. That's the the story. We're all sinners. We're all born into a sinful nature and life has a mixture for everybody. The real mystery is, as wicked as we are and as bad as this world is, how does anything good ever happen to anybody? That's the real mystery. But you see, when bad things happen, it rains on the just and the unjust. It's part of our sin nature. But the difference is, the lost man has nobody to run to. The lost man has no comfort when he's laying on his deathbed from cancer and he's about to go out of this world. The lost man uh, has no comfort when he's lost his fortune uh, and he's lost his home uh, and his family's fell apart. Uh, he's got nobody to turn to but you that are saved. You've got a comfort to get you through it. Are you hearing what I'm preaching? And so... Solomon's just looking at life. He says, there's some things worth considering about life. Life is a mystery. What we think's good, a lot of times it's bad. What we think's one way, a lot of ways, times another way. It's a mystery. But life has a master. Remember the works, consider the works of God. Through it all, God's hand is at work. Through it all, God knows what he's doing. And then it's worth considering that life has a mixture. Clarence was talking tonight in the prayer room about how that he couldn't get his energy and his strength back. And he said, some days I feel great. And some days I don't feel like going he said, it's about to drive me crazy. You know why? Because at 85 years old, he could outwork most 50-year-olds in his building. So he can't stand the thought of not being able to go. But he said, it's just up and down. But really, that's life for everybody. Life is a mixture. They can't all be good days, Brother Gary. You know why? It's not God's fault. It's sin's fault. We live in a sinful world. So I don't know what you might be going through tonight. Like I said, I, I didn't intend to preach on this. I, I'm developing a message on complaining. And uh, I tried to preach it at first, this one. But anyhow, that's what I wouldn't preach on tonight. Because some of y'all need to quit that mess. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. But anyway, uh, I didn't want to preach this. But God knows somebody in here tonight need to hear it. And it may be for something you're going through now. It may be for something you go through tomorrow. But uh, when things goes wrong this week, just remember, oh, yes, yeah, right, life's, life's a mixture. Life's a mixture. To will be a better day. Today's a bad day. To be a better day. But as long as I'm saved, I know life has a master. And everything's going to be all right stand at our feet tonight. Father in Jesus name we thank you Lord for allowing us to preach. Much as I know Lord just deliver the message you had for us to deliver tonight. I pray God you might touch some hearts this evening and do that as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus name.